Ha, you've reached Steve Swanson. Yes, that's Steve Swanson. I'm not available to answer the phone right now, so if you leave me your name and number, and JD, if this is you, and I know it is, don't leave me your name and number, then I'll call you back. Unless you're JD, in which case I won't call you back. And in case you're wondering, no, I haven't been listening to the podcast, and no, I really don't care what's going on with the show. So, everyone except JD, please leave your name, number, and a brief message. And JD, I know you're going to leave a message, and I know you're incapable of leaving a brief message. So, just so you know, I'm keeping my voicemail 98% full so that you can't go on and 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 on about whatever it is you want to talk about and whatever it is you're going to do to beg me to come back to the show. Because it's not going to work. I'm even leaving a longer greeting so there's that much less room on my voicemail for you to leave a message. So everybody else, I'm sorry, but I know you'll be brief. Unless you're JD. In which case, don't say anything. Hi, Steve. It's your old pal JD here. Boy, I bet you're glad to be hearing from me. We haven't talked in forever. Anyway, since I'm trying to get all of this in before your voicemail box runs out of space, I guess I'd better cut to the chase. You see, things have been going really well with Jared and Clayton, but we re- Oh, uh, you might not know who that is. Clayton's filling in for us while you're out and about, and he's a natural fit for the show, uh, but you would have seen his work online, mostly under the name C.W. Roder. He does a lot of Muppet fan art and stuff. Anyway, more to the point, the show's been going well, we've been covering lots of interesting news and doing some fun sketches, some of which I think you'd really like, especially the one with Grover. Actually, I think we did two with Grover in the last show, but uh, really great. Both of them really great. I think Jared's got an amazing talent there, and we're going to hear a lot more of it, I hope, uh, in future episodes. So, yeah. Oh, right, 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 yes, yeah, see, the point is, Steve, and this is the one thing I really called to tell you, Steve, we need you to come. Welcome to Muppet Fans Talking. Join us as Jim Henson fans from around the globe come together with commentary on the news and productions of the Jim Henson Company, Sesame Workshop, Muppets Studio, and beyond. Now, here's your host, or at least he's one of them, J.G. Hansel. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Muppet Fans Talking, the show where Muppet fans talk about what Muppet fans talk about when they talk about Muppets. This is episode number 15 and part two of both our year in review and our introduction to this podcast for new listeners. I am J.D. Hansel, and joining me once again is artist extraordinaire C.W. Roeder. Hey there, this is C.W. Roeder. And joining me all the way from the Muppet mindset is my longtime co-host, Jared Fairclough. Hi, this is C.W. Roeder. <laughs> I just figured that's what we were saying. Yeah, that's 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 how this works. Uh, well, we've got a lot of news to cover and not enough time, so let's just jump right in and talk about some of the news we missed from the earlier part of 2018, for one reason or another, in part one. Uh, starting with the Muppets' appearance at Puppet Palooza in Santa Barbara. Now, this was an interesting event because it was a, a live event like a lot of what was going on in 2018. The Muppets were really killing it in the area of live events throughout 2018, even if they weren't always in areas uh, where someone like me could conveniently see them or where someone like any of the three of us basically could conveniently see them. Um, There was always like a body of water in the way or something. But when they did these shows, uh, each of them was up to something a little bit different and had a different purpose. Uh, The O2 show was very similar to the Hollywood Bowl show, but... Uh, the Brett McKenzie, Jim Henson retrospectacle was its own thing. And what they did for Puppet Palooza was its own thing. It was more of a panel. It was basically a discussion with uh, Bill Beretta, Peter Linz, Matt Vogel, and Eric Jacobson. And I, for some reason, assumed that they would just get out their puppets and have the puppets do most of the talking. But they actually varied it. They did a bunch of different things uh, over the course of a two-hour-long event, which is pretty long for... Uh, a panel, I think. So it was pretty cool. I didn't get to see it myself, but from what I know of it, it was very cool. They did some interactive experiences. People got to uh, actually come up and perform puppets alongside the puppeteers so that they could show 
just how incredibly difficult it was to do what the Muppets do, um, which had some hilarious results as no one was able to figure out eye focus or any of that stuff and everyone's arms got tired immediately, except for the Muppet performers who were pros. Um, and I believe this is also when it was first revealed that Peter Linz is the new performer of uh, Robin the Frog, which I think is an interesting recast because Robin had been performed by Matt Vogel, but I guess now that Matt is doing Kermit, um, it just makes more sense for someone else to have Robin so Kermit and Robin can play off of each other better. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on Puppet Palooza in Santa Barbara? I forgot it was a thing. If you would asked me about last year, I could have told you most of what the Muppets did. I completely forgot that this existed. I would say that's the same for me. Um, I did have some subconscious knowledge of it because when I was at the puppeteer workshop, uh, Peter actually wasn't able to be there the entire time. He was there for the first day and half of the second day. Um, and then he had to fly off to California to be a part of that, which is... Curious because Matt still stayed for the rest of the workshop, but Peter still had to leave. Well, Peter was doing double duty because he also performed his uh, full-bodied character Snook from the TV series That's It's right. a Big Big World. Which I forgot that. Right, yeah, that series ended in like 2010, so I don't know how that character is still doing public appearances and stuff. You'd think the puppet would have gone to toast by now. But apparently it hasn't, so I think maybe... Well, according... He, uh, Peter was on an episode of uh, a puppetry podcast called Puppeteers, and that's uh, puppet tears, like the bodily fluid. And he had mentioned that he actually does, for some of the non-Muppet shows that he does, he has been allowed to hold on to certain puppets that he has performed. For instance, somewhere in his storage, he mentioned that he still has the puppet for Theo from Between the Lions. So who knows, maybe Peter still somehow has a hold of Snook. That would be pretty cool. Um, now, the next big thing that we didn't get around to uh, last time that is obviously a big deal is the new Muppet Babies show, which we have hardly talked about on Muppet Fans Talking, uh, mostly because by the time I got around to actually watching a couple episodes, we were too busy with other things to focus on doing a proper review of the first few episodes of the series, which is what I wanted to do. There's still time for that. We might still do that in a future episode. But for now, for have either of you seen much of Muppet Babies? And if so, what are your thoughts on it? Because I thought it was fine. I have seen every episode. Woo! Now, <laughs> the reason being is because my four-year-old niece loves it. And I finally got, like, my seven-year-old niece doesn't really care about Muppets, but I managed to get my four-year-old niece into it. So she loves it. So it sort of became our thing that her and I would watch Muppet Babies together. So I've seen every episode. And I'll tell you now, it's fantastic. Really? It really is. It is fresh. It's funny. You could tell that a lot of love has gone into it. They you know, they put little obscure references in and you know, in and around the show that if you weren't a big Muppet fan, you wouldn't have really much idea what they're talking about. Like they do, a one, in one episode, they do a Muppet ladder, which of course they introduced in Muppets Most Wanted. And they just reference, oh, Muppet ladder. Okay, let's do Muppet ladder. They don't explain what Muppet ladder is. It's just because, you know, if you know what Muppets Most Wanted is, you will know what Muppet ladder is. Little references like that, you've got, uh, references to, like, obscure Muppets in the background. Statler and Waldorf are sort of... They're grumpy, but they're sort of nice grumpy, if that makes sense. Uh, the voices are incredible. The voices are probably the best part of the whole thing. I, aside from uh, Dee Bradley Baker, who's playing Animal, I think he could stand to be a little bit deeper with his voice. But uh, Matt Danner, who's playing Kermit, is so eerily close to Matt Vogel's Kermit that it's, like, it's strange. Like, it sounds like a child version of Matt Vogel's Kermit. doesn't sound like a child version of Jim Henson's Kermit or uh, Steve Whitmire's Kermit. It sounds like Matt Vogel. And Eric Bowser, who's playing Fozzie, when he does the laugh, I actually thought to myself, have they just got a clip of Eric's laugh somewhere, like Eric Jacobson's laugh, and put it in because it was that close. See, it's weird because the voices are what throw me off the most. I think that, uh, oddly enough, I think that all of the voices 
take me out of it except for D. Bradley Baker's animal, which I think is perfectly fine. Weird how that works. I guess, I don't know, maybe I, I like the way that Gonzo is played. I think Gonzo is played pretty well, but Kermit and Picky throw me. I guess the the voice for Fozzie is perfectly fine. The writing for Fozzie is strange at times. Um, the writing for Gonzo is the best. I feel like they write that character really well. And then I don't know yet what to make of Summer the Penguin. I feel like she's there because she just needs to be. Just diversity quota. Like, not, not just like that. Like having an extra girl. Not just that. I think that's part of it. But the reason why they went with Summer instead of, say, Skeeter or something like that, rather than rehashing an older character they could have used, is because with Penguin, you get this very marketable image that works well as a plush doll. So I would say I'm kind of in between the fantastic opinion and the fine opinion. I do think it's absolutely great. Um, I wouldn't say it's one of the absolute greatest things the Muppets have done in recent years, but I would say that it's definitely worth the time that people give it. Um, One thing that kind of skewed my view of it early on was I didn't consider the fact that... Now, granted, the Muppets don't normally have continuity. I will preface by stating I understand that. But one thing that was throwing me off in the beginning was, and I think, J.D., you might have meant this when you mentioned Fozzie's writing kind of throwing you off, um, was that, for one thing, Fozzie's jokes always got a laugh. That really kind of threw me off, because if you know how Frank Oz developed Fozzie, the idea behind him is that he's a comedian who always tries, but will never succeed to be funny. And so that threw me off. And then there was also an earlier episode where Kermit just didn't know how to dance altogether. And another episode where Kermit was a horrible director. And with both of those, I was like, that's not in the character of Kermit at all. He's great at those things. But then I had kind of, I don't remember if I came to this or if someone had pointed it out to me, but the idea is that these are those characters as babies. And when you are young, you haven't yet learned or come to be everything you're going to be when you're an adult. So in terms of Kermit, since this is Muppet Babies, he maybe he hasn't learned to dance yet, or maybe he hasn't had directing experience yet. And in terms of Fozzie, well, little kids more or less can tend to laugh at things a lot easier than older people do. So who knows, maybe that because they're little kids, they find Fozzie's material a lot funnier than it would be um, years and years later on The Muppet Show. Right, so can I say a couple of things to that? Yes. So, first of all, like, well, first of all, Muppet continuity doesn't exist. Right. Uh, secondly, you have to remember that this show is being made for kids, and so they don't have any concept of who Kermit is as a character outside of this show. At least a lot of them won't. Some of them might have some idea, a lot of them don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's sort of as is being used as an introduction to these characters. So you have to give it a little bit of, um... Cut them some slack, I guess, uh, when it comes to yeah. that. When it comes to Fozzie, I have, having seen every episode, there are certainly moments where he makes jokes that no one laughs, and he sort of goes, oh, oh, okay, and sort of recedes back into the, uh, back into the background. Really? Yes, so... Every time I've seen it, they've always laughed, but I, I guess... And, and, well, I also and, haven't seen every episode, so... Right, and so there are definitely, I think, the mon- uh, majority of jokes they laugh at, but there are also moments where they don't laugh at all. Mm-hmm. Now, last thing I'll say in Muppet Babies is uh, I've become uh, reasonably friendly with Matt Danner, who is the uh, sort of one of the directors and the voice of Baby Kermit. He's so he told me that uh, Rolf was coming back. Now I heard that about three months ago, and he has told me a couple of other little things that I'm not allowed to uh, publicly say. All I'll say is that uh, fans are going to be very happy. I have seen like a little commercial. I think it was an international commercial where it showed a couple of clips with Baby Rolf kind of playing with the others and like riding yeah. a tricycle. And yeah. Like so that. they they revealed he was coming back, but there are also. I definitely want to see that because I will love Rolf until the day I die. Right, and there's also, yeah, but there's uh, some other stuff happening that I can't talk about. But uh, you'll be very excited. Now, all of that is really great. 
I just want to say it's still awkward for me seeing these Muppet characters doing stuff that is this child-oriented, because that does mean that with a character like Fozzie, in something like The Muppets, where they're assuming a somewhat older audience, um, or at least a more intellectually mature audience, I think I can safely say, uh, you can get away with having a character who's just a failure. Whereas in a show for Disney Junior aimed at preschoolers, everything's got to be really, really uplifting and everyone ends up happy in the end and okay. So that does mean, well, the brutality of the comedy in its effect uh, of, you know, bringing the characters down in the dumps can't be as strong, at least not through the whole episode. It still has to end on an upbeat note. So I think just the very nature of the show means the Muppets are going to have to be changed. But I mean, again, this is Muppets reimagined as babies, so I think you can get away with a lot of that stuff. Technically, none of this makes sense, because as babies, how are they talking? Why doesn't Kermit have a tail? I don't know. Don't ask these questions. It's Muppet babies. It doesn't make sense. It yeah. doesn't need to. I've always thought it should be something... It's not as catchy, but I've always thought it should be something like Muppet toddlers or Muppet kids or something like that, because they're not really babies. They're more just kind of, you know, really... Lo- little kids kermit as a cgi tadpole would just be terrifying i don't want to watch that <laughs> you want to watch that no you don't moving on so the muppets take the o2 was a big thing that happened and that i didn't get to see because again it was on the other side of the world all i know is um we're still waiting to hear if the muppets will give it back that's all i got <laughs> so i will say uh as far as I can see, I'm actually just double-checking now, but I meticulously went through a ton of videos and put them on the Muppet Mindset. I'm All those that videos, page right now. Yep, so it's uh, July 16th. I'm sure uh, JD will put a link somewhere. July 16th, to, uh, 2018. Clips from the Muppet State the 2 Every single clip is still watchable. So you can go through, and that's pretty much not obviously the entire show, but a large percentage of the show in order. Uh, clips from different nights and stuff are all there. So you've got, you know, Peter Davison from Doctor Who, and then you've got uh, David Tennant from Doctor Who. So they're there if you want to go look at them. I obviously didn't get to go because that was halfway around the world. But uh, two of my very best friends went, and they FaceTimed me during the opening number. And so I got to technically watch it live, just from the other side of the world. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater, but you know what? I appreciate that. I respect it. One thing I will say about the O2 is there's an interesting segment in there in which Kermit's wondering how they're going to pad it out and asks Scooter how they're going to do it. And Scooter just runs down the list of everything that's supposed to happen, and it involves um, Bobby Moynihan getting knocked out, um, and then the parade of obscure Muppets just for the super fans like us. Like, he's just going through the list of things they need to do to pat it out, and one of the things on his list is Miss Peggy gets really angry and karate chops someone. And there's some part of me that loves that joke probably for the wrong reasons, because it feels like whenever the Muppets need to do an appearance on a daytime show and Miss Piggy is involved... Someone just puts it on their to-do list. I don't blame the Muppet performers for this, but someone just puts it on their to-do list. We want to see Miss Piggy karate chop someone at some (laughs) point while she's on this show. It's just an item on the to-do list. And so to see a show make that explicit and almost crack this little joke about all the wrong ways that Miss Piggy has been handled in recent years. Oh, beautiful. I didn't think of it like that before, but that's actually a really good point, and I appreciate that joke more now. Uh, here's something that we may not appreciate this much anymore. Uh, the Happy Time Murders. So it is now at the point where it is winning Razzies, or at least it's nominated for them. I didn't hear if if there were winners yet, but hey, this podcast comes out sometime after it's recorded. So maybe by the time you're listening, you'll know if the Happy Time Murders has won some uh, Razzies. But as it is now, it's been nominated. It was a thoroughly hated movie. Even if it was, in some respects, very impressive, and we've discussed it on the show before, it was, boy, there were, uh, it wasn't just the people who hate Melissa McCarthy who hated this. It seems like critics and the internet all kind of united together to hate the Happy Time Murders, um, which has a sort of beauty to it. Personally, what I think was most interesting about this story is pretty much as soon as the trailer dropped, using that um, 
no Sesame All Street tagline, immediately Sesame Workshop comes in saying, nope, 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 nope. Like that lawsuit was fast and it killed me when Sesame Workshop didn't win it. Oh, that would have been but beautiful. But someone made a point of saying that Sesame Street still got their point across. Yes, So they even did. if they lost, they still made the point of, you know, quite clearly saying we are not involved in this film. Yep. And that's all they needed to do. I still think that as a movie, it could have done a better job of basically just managing audience expectations, since the whole thing is about subverting audience expectations. I think they needed to know what knowledge the audience was coming in with, what the audience thought they were going to see. I think as a director, Brian Henson should have figured out how this thing was going to be marketed, uh, because given the film's hook... And all the stuff that was talked about in press and interviews and stuff beforehand, you know, Melissa McCarthy saying it's sucks and puppets combined. Who could resist this? I think they should have been able to figure out what people were coming in expecting to see, how they how people expected uh, different puppet shows, children's puppet shows, Sesame Street Muppets and all that stuff to be parodied or lampooned in this and made sure they handled it appropriately. But, you know... As it is now, it's not a movie that I hate. It's a movie I can watch again. It's just not a movie that was as good as it could have been, or even close. Right. And that's sad. And I think I said this in our review episode. A lot of the blame, I think, has to go to the promotion Yep. of that film. Because mm-hmm. it was not promoted well at all. Nope. Even to the point where, you know, very few... I don't think there were any, like, no... Melissa McCarthy, uh, Elizabeth Banks, Maya Rudolph, John McHale, none of them really went on any talk shows to promote it or anything like that. It was almost as if they didn't want it to exist. Like, they just sort of wanted to forget that they made this big film. Or, just considered the fact that there's also a matter of money here. Like, the reason why someone like Mark Hamill is going to go around to all these different talk shows and promote a Star Wars movie that he believes shouldn't exist, which is pretty much the case with all the Star Wars movies he's been in over the past few years, um, and will be in, I presume, if he if they can somehow get him to make a cameo in the next one. Um, I mean, it's, it's money. Disney has the money to make that happen. This was a fairly small film, when you think about it. I mean, it's from the Jim Henson Company. We don't think of that as a major studio. And the other studios that were producing it with Henson and distributing it for Henson also were not that big. So I don't think they had the power to write in the contract, the reason why we're paying you all this money is because according to your contract, you also have to go around and promote it. So without that, honestly, the fact that as many people knew about it considering how small it was in a way compared to everything going on uh, with the bigger studios at the time and all the summer blockbusters and stuff. It's kind of impressive. So one of the ways this movie promoted itself was that it was a comedy. It's a ridiculous comedy. And when I think back to the times when I laughed the most, I can only really remember one... I can only remember one enough to quote it, but I know there were others like it. Um, actually two, I can remember two. Um, what I find interesting is that they weren't the really big naughty jokes that the trailers were selling. They were kind of somewhat a little more innocent. Um, like for instance, at the very beginning when Phil comes across the old man puppet dancing on the street and then as Phil walks away, you hear the old man puppet go, (laughs) my wife is dead. And then, um, when when they find Goofer washed up ashore, and then it, as Phil in, um, what's her name? Melissa McCarthy, that's all we're going to remember her as. When Phil and Melissa McCarthy are walking away, they cut back over to where Goofer was, and they're, like, draining him like a towel. It's, I don't remember what it was about that gag that really got me, but I really just enjoyed that. Um, I do think there is something to be said about how everybody has different senses of humor and different things that make them tick. So for me specifically, a lot of things I like aren't necessarily as um, Deadpoolish, we'll say, as something like the Happy Time Murders. Like a lot of my sense of humor comes from things like Rocky and Bullwinkle, Looney Tunes, Airplane, things that are, um, they can be a little suggestive, but they tend to be somewhat safeguarded. Yeah, the movie just needed to figure out who its audience was going to be, whose kind of sense of humor it was going to appeal to, 
and then really put a lot of energy into making it funny in that way. And I think the film was just a bit too confused about what it wanted to be to really get itself situated on a sense of humor. Speaking of projects that had a hard time getting themselves situated on a style or sense of humor, we shortly thereafter got The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Um, Jared, what did you, since you weren't with us, I don't think, when Steve and I bashed Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, would you like to say something bad about that show? I watched one episode, and that's it. And I think that goes to show you how much I enjoyed it. Yep. It was fine. It was... Like, what she makes is very impressive. I just found the puppet characters sort of shoehorned in. I don't think you needed them at all. And also, I think Tough Pigs wrote in their review, like, who's watching this thinking, oh, I'm going to make that? Because, really, who's got the time to make (laughs) a giant, you know, house made of chocolate in, you know, 15 hours? No one's watching this to go, oh, I'll make that. But if it was just sort of this is how I make it, not almost an instructional show... It could have been a little better, and had the puppet sort of been with her the whole time she was making it, rather than interjecting almost Statler and Waldorf style, it might have been better. I just found it a little dull. So what you're saying is the show needed a character like, say, Angelo from Muppets Kitchen with Cat Cora, who would help along with the cooking. Exactly right. Why they didn't have uh, Angelo is anyone's guess. Well, we will uh, edit him in for the special editions. Now... It's time for a special new segment called Rotor's Corner, in which our friend C.W. Rotor tells us about the Muppet merchandise of 2018. Rotor, take it away. Wonderful. I'm going to sit here and conspicuously not say anything. Thank you, JD. I figured I would put this list together, me myself being a Muppet collector. I don't personally just grab anything with Kermit or Big Bird slapped onto it the way the more obsessive fans do, but I do keep an eye on what I consider to be the cream of the crop of Muppet merchandise. I have most of the Sesame Street Funko Pop line, I have all of the Fraggle line, except uh, wait for a minute, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, I, okay. I, I agreed to let you do this because you promised me that you didn't write out a whole essay about it. For how many more pages does this go on? About 11. You get one. So this was a really big year for Muppet Babies because it started stupid. And so um, we got a lot of stuff from Muppet Babies. We got Muppet Babies Time to Play, which was a soundtrack release of a lot of songs from the show. Um, I believe most of them from the first season, which is still available, I believe, on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Amazon. Speaking of Amazon, we also got T-shirts available on Amazon and at the Disney Store Online. We had Character Plush available at the Disney Store and Online. We had an animal mug that was at the Disney Store Online. Um, They they weren't really the best with coming up with creative names because, much like the soundtrack, they also released a DVD of some of the episodes, which was also titled Muppet Baby's Time to Play. Really thought hard on that one. Uh, You had some Character Plush available at Target, a Talking Baby Fozzie Plush available at Target, Character figures and play sets and a character figurine set, also all available at Target. And more related to the classic Muppet Babies show, there was a coffee table book released last year called It's Saturday Morning, which talked about all kinds of cartoon shows from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And it does have a brief section on the traditional Muppet Babies show. Wow. So that was all the Muppet merchandise in 2018. Amazing. No, 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 no. JD, there's, there's more. It wasn't just Muppet Babies. Oh. Okay, go on. Okay, so moving on to the Henson Company, uh, Fraggle Rock in celebration of its 35th anniversary. It was 35th, right? Uh, sure. Um, Fraggle Rock had a set of Funko Pops released. It featured all five main Fraggles, Uncle Traveling Matt, Sprocket, and an exclusive Red Pop that was flocked, meaning it was kind of fuzzy, the way Miss Piggy's fuzzy, but not very fuzzy. And then equally, they had, well, even better, they had Fraggle Rock, the complete series, re-released this time on Blu-ray, featuring all the previous bonus features of before, and also a handful of bonus features we hadn't gotten before, including some match from HBO, an appearance by Uncle Traveling Matt on the Today Show, and all kinds of things like that. 
Speaking of Blu-rays, Emmett Otter was also finally released on Blu-ray this year. A really significant feature of this is unlike the previous DVD release in 2017, this Blu-ray offered two options for viewing. You could view it in the cropped version that was released for 2017, or you could view it in the original 4x3 standard format. Why did I let you do this segment again? I don't know. Continue. The Aquarius Toy Company released Dark Crystal and Labyrinth Games, both in card and board form. The Storyteller and Emmett Otter soundtracks were released, with Emmett Otters being released exclusively on vinyl for Black Friday only. Chronicle Collectibles released Chamberlain, Skeksis, and Worm statues. The Henson Company released DVDs for Splash and Bubbles and Dinosaur Train, and also for the Happy Time Murders on DVD and Blu-ray, and also Happy Time Murder shirts popped up on Amazon. Moving on to Sesame Street, we had Once Upon a Sesame Street Christmas released on DVD. We saw Hasbro release a Julia Mini Plush. Very cool. Uh, Sesame Place and their usual line of classic character plushes released an exclusive Twiddlebug plush. Cookie Monster released, I guess we'll call it a coffee table book, The Joy of Cookies. There was an Australian company named Globe that released a series of Sesame Street skateboards. A Korean sock company named Freshly Press released a very interesting line of Sesame Street socks, the coolest of the bunch being based on Burton Ernie sweaters. And now, moving on to the Muppets Take the O2, we of course had a lot of merchandise there. T-shirts, mugs, a best-of CD featuring songs from the previous Muppet movies and even some from The Muppet Show, refrigerator magnets, programs, animal tote bags, lanyards, and keychains. And then everything else related to the Muppets in general. The Swedish chef... Clayton, 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 you're doing a great job and everybody loves this sketch, but you've only got 15 seconds. Oh, okay. The Swedish chef did the Diamond Select action figure finally came out. The Muppets 2018 and 19, two calendars, UK only. Muppets meet the classics, fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm book. Ralph the Dog, Piano Ornament, Little Biographies of Big People, Jim Henson book. Constantine, otherwise known as Evil Kermit by Plebeians. Plush at San Diego Comic-Con. Random Kermit shirt at Urban Outfitters. Disney Parks exclusive Happy Thanksgiving Muppets pin. Disney Parks exclusive Muppet Vision 3D balloon pin. Disney Parks exclusive Fozzie Bear Cap. And Disney Parks exclusive Piggy Headband. Woo! <laughs> All right. You got it. You made it. But way to bury the lead. You should have just opened with Disney Parks had Muppet merchandise. Wow. All right. So uh, that's it. That's all the Muppet merchandise that came out in 2018. And now the Muppet merchandise we can look forward to in 2019. The Jim Henson Funko Pop. The Animal Bus from Diamond Select. A Sam and Friends book written by Craig Shemin. Labyrinth Door Knockers. Labyrinth, a Discovery Adventure picture book. Fraggle Rock, The Rough Side of the Rock, a hardbound release of a previous comic book. Muppet Babies books based on episodes of the current show. And then in celebration of Sesame Street's 50th anniversary, Warner Music is relaunching Sesame Street Records. We have Oscar DeGrouch Salt and Pepper Shakers. We have the Celebrate Family DVD. We have the Pursuit of Grouchiness book, much in the style of the of cookies book and finally if you call right now we have the love the fur you're in book all of this for the exclusive low price of five easy payments of 99.99 phones are standing by now call huh you think i'm going to pay 99.99 multiple times just to get that did just a quick little question just between us did you consult frank oz about how to market this merchandise Yes. That was a bad move. But you know what? That was a good segment. So thank you very much for that. Oh, th th thank you, JD. You're very kind. Well, you know, I try. Uh, Jim Henson was honored at the American Banjo Museum. Very interesting since, as I recall, Jim Henson didn't really play the banjo much himself, though he always wanted to. But, I mean, let's face it, what instrument do we associate Kermit with? The banjo. So I think that was a fitting addition. Uh, and speaking of honors, Carol Spinney uh, was greeted with some uh, really great retirement party uh, this past fall when he officially announced his retirement from Sesame Street. You could see everyone came to the set on his last day on Sesame Street to celebrate him there. Then there was another celebration at the Museum of the Moving Image, all after the celebration that they had done months before um, at the Jim Henson Company lot to raise money for the Center for Puppetry Arts. So... Yeah, lots of celebrating Carol Spinney this year, and I was a fan of that. I thought it was all great. They even did an episode of Below the Frame just dedicated to celebrating Carol Spinney, and I think that was all wonderful. So I think we said this before on this podcast, but once again, I just want to wish a happy retirement to Carol Spinney and say thank you, thank you, 
thank you for contributing so much uh, to our childhoods, to our whole lives, and for just being such a great, nice guy. Anyone else want to say something nice to Carol Spinney since he's clearly listening to this podcast? I wrote on the website an open letter to Carol. Uh, I know that Deb Spinney, uh, she does exist, uh, that she follows the website. She quite often will comment on uh, our Facebook posts. So I sent that. Uh, well, I wrote that. I have no idea if he ever read it. She never commented on it. But I would like to think that somewhere he got to see that. Um, he is a living legend. He 50 years he taught generations and billions of people. Uh, I think he deserves a wonderful retirement. And I'm glad that he's going to stick around and do little, uh, you know, cons and stuff like that absolutely and in sesame street news uh, we also have when you wish upon a pickle a special that came out over the fall that i did not see can one of you guys tell me was it good i thoroughly enjoyed it clayton uh i watched it it wasn't something where i felt like i was kind of waiting for it to end the way i have with previous specials yeah um i feel like it was definitely more centered on the comedy than trying to find a way to make it an educational moment, which I thought is a nice little breather to have every now and then. Um, it did kind of feel like they were trying to do something about friendship right at the end, literally right as everything was getting resolved. Um, but other than that, I think the special on the whole was just a very fun... It seemed like they had a lot of fun making it. In fact, yeah. that was another thing in that... Uh, puppeteers podcast episode with peter lind where he he couldn't announce it at the time like by name but he had mentioned that they were working on a special and that it was a lot of fun to work on and had a lot of really great jokes that he loved and that he just had an absolute ball doing that special and i'll talk about it a little bit more later on because i believe we're gonna do toast and a roast uh but amanda seyfried was great but I'll talk about that more later. Awesome. I'm going to have to watch that now. All right, so now we're getting to all the stuff that the Muppets crammed into the last month of 2018. So the first big thing, actually, it's a whole bunch of James Corden-related stuff altogether, because we had Kermit singing Man or Muppet on James Corden instead of Rainbow Connection, <laughs> and clearly the Muppets quickly realized they made a mistake there, and he was supposed to sing Rainbow Connection, because they had him go back on James Corden just a couple weeks later and sing Rainbow Connection for some reason. They don't even make it its own bit. Kermit interrupts James Corden singing Rainbow Connection to be like, no, 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 that sounded bad. Kermit tells him that James Corden didn't sound right. Who is Matt Vogel's Kermit to say that someone else's Rainbow Connection sounds weird? Um, boy, I, in, in all fairness, I actually, I in preparation for this show, I watched some more of Matt Vogel's stuff at the O2. And darn it, he's, he's really, really good in that. He's, he's really, really great as Kermit. Um, in some of the live stuff, and, and, you know, I looked back at some of the stuff from the Santa Barbara Puppet Palooza show. Kermit interacting with other Muppets, great. Kermit trying to sing Jim Henson's signature song, still not quite working. Um, but then the Muppets decided to go and sing a whole bunch of random songs on Carpool Karaoke, and it was fun. There's, you don't, there's nothing more to say, I don't think. It was just... Uh, fun. So would anyone here like to comment on the James Corden stuff or the carpool karaoke or anything like that? Or can we I, keep going so that we can get through all the stuff in December? I did think um, one one quick moment that I did really like from carpool karaoke is I think it was something like the driver turned on Rainbow Connection and then everybody just started screaming, not again, no! <laughs> You know what? I didn't watch it all the way through to that part, but now I have got to do this. This sounds like the greatest scene in all of Muppet history. It makes me so ridiculously happy. I need, like, just... Yeah, and Kermit's the only one who's sort of into singing it. <laughs> Kermit's like, oh, yeah, great, and then everyone's like, no. <laughs> For the love of Jim, another song. Uh, beautiful. I will just quickly Absolutely say on that beautiful. that uh, Jason Sudeikis was a great choice to pair them with. Yes. They could have he, gone I, badly if had it been anyone else. He played off them perfectly. He sort of was yep. happy to play the straight man, which a lot of comedians aren't really happy to do. But he, he knows how to still be a fun, kind of silly straight man right, exactly and still right. make it work. That's, the, that's one of the benefits, I think, of being an SNL performer long enough, is you learn how to handle that 
kind of a character where they're still fun and funny, but work as a straight man primarily. At the end of the year, very quickly, they just did the Jim Henson holiday special double feature, which just kind of showed up all of a sudden and was a thing that existed, which was great if you wanted to see Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas on a big screen in HD. Not so great if you wanted to see all of it up there. Um, all that really matters is they cut out a bunch of Kermit's bits. So they have Kermit at the beginning and they have Kermit at the end, but Kermit's stuff in the middle throughout was all we weirdly cut. That is so, what I cannot stand about. I, yeah. I love the recent home video releases, except for the fact that they get rid of Kermit's narration because then it's just like, hi ho, I'm going to narrate this story. And then nothing happens with that it's just you see the story and then kermit pops up at the end saying wow i sure did a good job narrating that story didn't i wow that's his exact line that was perfect i thought thought it was like he was in the room that was amazing great impression there thank you um just don't sing rainbow connection uh but uh i'll sing caribbean well, amphibian no not not that either um uh, <laughs> but i will allow disco frog now kermit may not have gotten to narrate all of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, but for some reason he got to play The Wizard of Oz, and I still don't understand what happened there. <laughs> Does anyone know what happened or how this happened? Like, did no, someone now, make... I looked at... Uh, who, who, who made it? Uh, Lithgow Family Panto. So, for a start, it was co-founded by The Muppet Show floor director and choreographer uh, Nigel Lithgow. So maybe that ah. has something to do with it, but also... Wait wait, 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 wait. Nigel, as in the guy who ran things at Muppets Tonight, right? We're almost ready for the final number, Clifford. Where's Martin Short? Same person? Sure. Okay. Why not? If his name's Nigel, that must be who he is. So Lithgow Family Panto have also had, you know, Neil Patrick Harris do stuff. They've had uh, Ariana Grande do stuff. So obviously they get, you know, fairly well-known people in their pantos. So maybe it isn't as random as we first thought. It still is bizarre, though. It's bizarre, but it does mean that they're willing to experiment with what Kermit can do as an actor and let him do things that other celebrities are doing as though he's just a normal celebrity. Right. Um, and it also means that Matt Vogel's getting more time to do live stuff as Kermit, and he seems to be really excelling when there's an audience fueling him. Um, either that or f he lost a bet, and everyone decided that for his first several, several months as Kermit the Frog... Um, as his punishment, he would have to do all of it in front of an audience to make it more terrifying, which might be more likely. I don't know. I'd like to think that he's doing okay and is not horribly terrified every time he's performing Kermit, but he's been doing a lot of live stuff that I haven't gotten to see. Maybe he's just avoiding me because he doesn't want to have to deal with me. That's what most people do. That's what I recommend. And now it's time, since I think we've covered pretty much everything that happened in 2018 of you know, super significant importance to the Muppets. To the best of my knowledge, it's time for a toast and a roast. All right, we've got everything that happened in 2018 to choose from. What are we going to toast? What are we going to roast? Darn it, I'm going to take the easy route and just roast the curious creations of Christine McConnell because I just didn't understand why it existed, or if it did exist, I didn't understand why it had to exist in such a bad way. Um... What will I toast? I'm going to go ahead and toast Carol Spinney because this is the time to do that. You 50 years is an amazing accomplishment. Um, congrats. More power to you. Have a great retirement. I think I'm going to roast... I'm going to roast STX for the promotion they did of Happy Time, which is probably another easy route out, I admit. And then... For toast, I was going to toast Carol, but you went and took that. Um, unless we're allowed to toast the same person. By all means, go for it. Okay. Uh, for my, my specific reasoning was, for one thing, I feel like when he announced his retirement, I feel like I saw a lot of people on social media remember why they liked Sesame Street as a kid and show a lot of appreciation for Sesame Street we don't normally see in wider circles. And also because um, through him, through through Big Bird specifically, there was I, I had applied him to Inktober, which is a drawing challenge on social media, and through that I actually um, I had made it known that if you, if anyone purchased one of those pieces that I did, that part of it would be going to 
the Yellow Feather Fund. So vicariously, in, or in some sort of weird way, through Big Bird, I was able to help fund the future of Sesame Street and fund for people who may someday in the future have careers like Carol's or anything like that. Now me. Now you. All right, I'm going to toast... Uh, I'm going to toast two people, and I don't care if you tell me I can't. My first is my Rudolph. Say what you want about Happy Time Murders, but my Rudolph stole the show. She was hilarious. She was brilliant. She was the best part of that movie by far. Uh, and my other toast is going to... I mentioned her quickly before. Amanda Seyfried in uh, When You Wish Upon a Pickle. She was wonderful the entire time. She sort of played that uh, over-the-top character, but without seeming patronising, if that makes sense. She just was wide-eye-wondered, which makes sense when you see how big her eyes are. Um, she was fantastic. So uh, those two get my toast. My roast is going to be a little bit... Uh, I don't know the best way to uh, say this, but my roast is going to be to some of the Muppet fans. Okay, that's an interesting one. Continue. Mm. So, on September 7th, I wrote a post saying, is it time to retire the term Muppeteer? And it was just an idea of, you know, Jim Henson didn't like the word, maybe we should, you know, keep using it as we do. I've stopped using it on the website. A lot of uh, Muppet formers don't like it. So I, you know, said, is it time to retire it? A lot of people got super aggressive to me a lot of people i got called names that you know even i wouldn't call jd whoa just dark horrible horrible words and i that was probably the worst uh thing i had to put up with last year i was hiding comment like i don't generally delete a lot of comments unless they're you know aggressive for the sake of aggressive i deleted so many from that because people were just being horrible and then like a week later Tough Pigs wrote a post saying, you know, maybe we don't need Rizzo anymore. You know, if no one's going to take over uh, for, from Steve for Rizzo, maybe it's okay if Rizzo's gone. And some of these same people were like, oh, that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, fantastic. I'm like, so you're saying get rid of Rizzo and that's okay. But I say, hey, stop saying the word Muppeteer and I'm an ass. Anyway, so uh, some of, not all the Muppet fans, but some of the Muppet fans uh, get a roast. I have noticed a tendency for, not not using names, obviously, but for some people to, if the Muppet mindset or, like, that side of Muppet fandom says something, then they tend to be more skeptical of it at nicest, whereas they tend to go with almost anything Tough Pig says. And I think that, Look, when I took over the Muppet mindset, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people left. A lot of people stopped paying attention to it. Uh, I've built up the fandom since then. You know, I've got myself an extra 10,000 or even 15,000, I think, uh, Twitter followers than I had when I started. Um, Facebook followers as well. So I think I've got myself a nice little niche now, but there are still a faction of fans who don't like me, don't like anything I have to say, and I just tend to ignore a lot of what they uh, what they write to me. Well, don't forget, it's largely xenophobia, because, let's face it, nobody likes Australians. I'm just throwing that out there. It's, it's nothing personal against you. I mean, it feels it's personal. It's just personal against your whole people, which is why it's affecting you specifically. Wow, that must be it. Yep, I think that about sums it up, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hello, I'm Thomas. Hello, I'm Ethan. And we're Thomas and Ethan of Thomas and Ethan's Guided Meditations. If you're having trouble unwinding or you can't find inner peace, we can help you relax and clear your mind. That's our business. But don't take our word for it. Here's a silent monk. Just kidding, that wasn't a silent monk, it was Ethan. We got you again, didn't we? Here's a sample of one of our meditations. Sit up straight with your feet planted firmly on the floor. Take a deep breath in. Think about your toes. Give your toes a little wiggle. Notice the way your chair feels. Is it bumpy? Is it soft? Is it red? Is it blue? Relax. What can you hear? What's that humming sound? Focus on the humming sound. Do not focus on anything else but the humming sound, or else you will die. Relax. Breathe in. Without. Breathe in. Without. Breathe in. Without. Relax. Breathe in. Without. Breathe in. Hold it. Hold it. 
very good. Once you get to our level of meditation, you will be able to breathe in and breathe out at the same time in a constant stream of breath. Thomas will now demonstrate. He can do that for nine hours straight. very relaxing and with enough practice you can do it too. I'm Thomas and I'm changing my name to Vishnu and we're Thomas and Vishnu's guided meditations. You may now breathe out. Look, I'll grant that it makes perfect sense to make a Twin Peaks style TV show out of the Archie Comics character since David Lynch always said that Twin Peaks was his idea for the kind of thing he would do if he got to adapt Archie and his friends to the screen. But Riverdale just doesn't capture that Lynchian tone, instead opting for a teen drama that plays Miss Grundy as a cougar. Yeah, Who does yeah, that? that? Grundy is supposed great, to be JD, old and back. ugly with a big nose. J- J- where JD? is her big nose? J- Heck, JD where is Jughead's big nose? Um, where have all the noses gone, J- people? This is about character. You purity. idiots! We're back on. Oh, we're we we Oh, hi everyone! Welcome back to the show. Is that usual uh, since we're talking, hmm? since we're talking about all the latest Muppet news and our predictions for the coming year, well, the new year, I should say, I thought we'd get some help from a professional newsman we all know and love, who's got loads of predictions and is a Muppet. From the hit show Elmo Wars, everybody give a warm reception, as I give a cold wedding, to Elmo! No, Hi, no, no. everybody! Hello! No. Hello! Oh my gosh, hello, Elmo! Hello. I had no yeah. idea you were going to be hello, here! Elmo. Oh my gosh! Don't get excited, Clayton. This isn't going to go huh? like you think it is. Hello! Hi! Who are you? Elmo, it's me, mate. It's Jared. We've, we've, uh, we've... Yeah, Elmo knows who you are! Who's the kid? Uh, hi, hi, Clayton. My name is Elmo. Uh, 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 hi, hi, Elmo. My name is Clayton. It's it's, it's so great to meet you. Oh my gosh! Wow, he, Elmo thought he was long gone. Okay, well, are you guys ready to talk about the news of 2019? Yeah. I mean, with you, do I have to? Yes. Okay. All right, El- Elmo. Elmo. Let's let's start. We're we're so happy to have you on the podcast again. Very Indeed happy to be are. interviewing you once again. I'm this not. This is this is. Well, I'm happy about it. You you quiet down, Jared. I'm very happy to have you here. So please tell us what what can we expect to happen for the Muppets, the Sesame Muppets, the Henson Muppets, uh, the the Muppet Muppets in 2019. Well, Elmo is so glad you asked, J.D., because Elmo has gotten the inside scoop. Elmo knows everything that the government doesn't want you to know. Everything the government's trying no. to keep away from you. Elmo knows. Elmo knows. What? Okay, Elmo. Did you really think it was going to go any different Elmo than this, Elmo is like the freaking Agra of 2019. Elmo knows all. So, you ready? Here we go. Here's what's going down in 2019. First of all, Matt Vogel taking over all of Eric Jacobson's characters, Peter Linz taking all of Matt Vogel's characters, and then Eric taking all of Peter's characters. It's it's a game of musical chairs that's going to be really weird. Okay, next. Teeny little super guy will be killed off in Avengers Endgame. Spoiler alert, sorry about that. They gotta kill somebody off. It's going to be teeny little super guy. Okay, in merchandise, we've got Tamanella Grinderfall Funko Pops coming. You got your normal Tamanella and the Hot Topic exclusive Frog Prince variant. And, and, more merchandise. The Jim Henson Company will be very proudly announcing a 392nd Fraggle Rock comic book and a new line of horribly ugly Fraggle toys coming soon. Speaking of the Jim Henson Company, a new traveling Jim Henson Museum exhibit made entirely of leftover photo puppets of Kermit they haven't used in all the other exhibits yet. That's coming. Uh, The Dark Crystal, it's going to be a musical. The Dark Crystal, the musical, uh, followed by Labyrinth 2 being announced on Facebook news pages everywhere at least like 11,000 different times throughout the year, and then it's never going to happen. And let's not forget... The release of the Happy Time Murders 2. Now it has Gobo in it. Gobo? Gobo. Now, if you like that, just wait for their Christmas special, Woody Harrelson and the Muppets Holiday Spectacular. Yes, Woody will be wearing all of Lady Gaga's old costumes from the first one. Uh, Muppet Vision 3D is going to be replaced with a Pixar attraction, but... The Pixar attraction is going to get replaced with the Muppet-themed bathroom, 
So everything kind of, you know, it's like karma. What comes around goes around. Basically, the people who run the Disney parks are just going to remove the Muppets from the parks and then put them back and just keep spinning everything around in a circle again in musical chairs just to keep you distracted. It's all part of the plan. Now, the Muppets are going to do their best live show yet, blowing away what they did at the O2, but it's going to be in Guam for some reason. Sesame Workshop will prematurely release its coffee table book, celebrating its 80th anniversary. They're just, they're just way ahead of themselves this time. Craig Shemin is getting in on the merch game. He's announcing an upcoming book soon about the boss men. Just a whole book about the boss men. We don't know why. Now that Bob McGrath is done on Sesame Street, he's returning to the pop charts in Japan. Going to be a smash again. And finally, the Center for Property Arts and the Jim Henson Company will be hosting a masked ball themed after Farscape, and somehow they freaking sell out the joint. How does this keep happening? How does this... Emma doesn't know. Emma doesn't know. Emma's just looking forward to 2020's Sid the Science Kid masked ball at the Center for Property Arts because... I mean, what else are they going to do? All right, there you go. There's everything happening in 2019. Wow. Okay. It's like, it's like um, I've time traveled. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, thank you, Elmo. Um, are, are you excited for the Sesame Street documentary coming to HBO this year? Well, look, Elmo's a little bit excited about it just because of the residuals that will be coming in. You see, understand, Elmo's entire finances were all built on money from the Tickle Me Elmo dolls. And you know what? They're not selling anymore. Elmo's running out of money there. So Elmo kind of needs this. Elmo kind of just, he, he needs the work. He needs the work. And for some reason, Elmo did not get cast as Barry Gibb in the upcoming documentary about the life of Barry Gibb. Elmo doesn't understand that. Elmo has no idea. We have the same voice. The same what? Never mind. So, all that Elmo really wants to say is, how did the Tickle Me Elmo doll get so popular in the first place? How in the world did Elmo make... Look, okay, let's let's just break down the Tickle Me Elmo doll for a second here. All right? This Do is important. Do we need to? Do we really have to? Yes. Why are this we listening to this guy? Can we not cut him because off? Because he's Elmo. He's, he's an official. Oh, uh, Clayton, buddy, this isn't going to go like you think well, it will. Thank you, good what? sir, for, for respecting me. You understand. So far, Elmo likes you, and that's it. You're, you're winning, buddy. Okay. Yes! Calm down. Keep your pants on. So. You keep your pants on. How many times have I had to tell you, Elmo, to keep your pants on? Here's the thing about Tickle Me Elmo. So let's just set aside the fact that Elmo never says me. Let's just, let's just, you know, go ahead, bookmark it. Put that up on the shelf. Set that aside. Okay, even if that's not an issue here, why does the toy need to be Tickle Me Elmo instead of Tickle Elmo when they mean the same thing? Like, what is the function of having me in there? All that that does is it implies that the toy is asking you to tickle it, which makes the whole thing way creepier. Like, like a, a, a Tickle Elmo doll? Makes perfect sense. You understand that what you're supposed to do is tickle the doll. That's fun. But if your toy is so boring that the toy has to ask you to play with it and tell you, please tickle me, I think you're doing something wrong with the toy. Elmo thinks you're doing something wrong with the toy. Elmo always speaks in third person naturally. That wasn't a marketing gimmick based on uh, the way that Grover and Cookie Monster talk at all. Hehehehe. <laughs> Any other questions? Yeah, why are we listening to this guy? Thanks, Elmo loves you too. Oh, uh, El Elmo, Elmo, uh, oh. would, it, uh, would, it, would it be yes. okay if I asked a question? Uh, sure, by all means, go ahead. Oh, okay, uh, wonderful, thank, thank you very much, sir. Um, so, one, one thing I've always wondered, um, uh -huh. I, I, I myself am a puppeteer, and uh -huh. as such I do a lot of voice work, and... Uh -huh. I've always kind of wondered, because I've never quite been able to tell, trying to pick with your dialect. Um, where are you from? Oh, now, this, this is a very good question. I'm as glad someone finally asked this, because usually when people try to do Elmo's voice, they don't do the accent. They just leave out the accent, they just go for a falsetto, and it sounds like some sort of, I don't know, it's like Minnie Mouse or something. But no, that's not Elmo. 
Amo has a distinct accent, and the accent is from the city. Just the city. Maybe it's Baltimore. Maybe it's New York. Amo doesn't know. It's a mystery of God. But Amo's accent always has to be from the city. That is the secret to Amo's radio success. Okay, I, th- I think I've got everything written down. Thank, thank you so much for your time, sir. I, I can't believe I got to do this today. This is, you, you, this is crazy. You are very, very welcome. Now, please, if you would like to send any fan letters or fan art to Elmo, yes, for Elmo to sign, don't. Oh, uh, okay. Moving on. Now, Elmo's going to take a question from one of our listeners at home. Hello, you are on the radio with Elmo on Elmo Wars. What is your question, sir? Hi there, Elmo. This is your devoted listener, Daryl Dudd, calling in from Alabama. Now, I have always been a fan of your political commentary, so I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on how hard-working, wealthy Americans, such as yourself, would be affected by the 70% marginal tax rate proposed by Alexandria I, I think the rest of her name is in Spanish, so I'm going to have to open Google Translate here. Uh, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. D- Daryl, um, Elmo knows what you mean. Elmo understands. We're all on the same page here. So now Elmo would like to start talking about his political theory, which, of course, is libertarian, and yet at the same time also ba- basically Nazi. Just basically Nazi. No, what no, Elmo wants no, to understand no, is no, how can you propose no. a 70% tax cut unless you like... Hitler! You would have to be as horrible no, as Hitler. Don't bring up Hitler. And Elmo Why are we hates that to this guy? No! Elmo, shut up. This isn't your show. I don't know what you're doing in jumping in, like taking questions from people who even got freaking Daryl Dudd on. No, I'm not going to stand here and listen to you talk about Nazis, all right? If you're going to sit here and Nazi yourself up, I don't. I don't. I'm not. In, I'm not interested. All right. I'm going. All right. Jared. You guys can do the rest of this podcast. Jared? No. Jared? You can do the rest of this podcast. Jared. Uh, Jared. What? Don't look. What? I know that you're unhappy about this because you wanted to be the one to take over my podcast. But everybody's got to do it at some point. You got to wait your turn, man. No, I'm next in line. But that's not the point. I'm just. I'm not putting up with drug Elmo. All right. I've had enough of him. He's constant. He's oh, oh, all oh. the time. I, what? What? Elmo's not even drunk right now. Elmo's just a little buzzed. That's even worse. That's even. Jared, wait a second. Wait a second. No, wait a minute, Jared. Jared, what? I can understand you leaving right now, but if I can get Steve to come back and help me run the show at some point, would you consider coming back? Will you be here? Who me? Yeah. Well, uh, it's my website, so probably? Mm, we'll see. Just think about it, okay? Okay, I'm going. I, I've had enough. I'm, oh, I'm done. Okay. I'm done with you all. Have a good day. Bye. So long. I, Shut up. Bye, Mr. Jared Fairclough. I think I... Shut up, Elmo. Okay, wow. <laughs> Someone's a jerk, is Elmo right? So anyway, here's what's wrong with the juice. Nope, goodbye, <laughs> Elmo. Bye, Elmo. <laughs> okay, well... Um, that was interesting. Wow, what a fascinating person. I think um, I see what he was warning me about. Yeah, things never go quite the way you expect with Elmo, but that's part of the fun of Muppet Hub. We, uh... Yeah, it's we fun. Just, <laughs> we just never know what's going to happen and uh, how it may affect our um, employability in the future. So mm-hmm. with that, let's get into the news for, at the very least, rumors Uh, for what's coming soon in 2019. Greetings from the management of MuppetHub.com. As production manager for this podcast, I have decided that this episode is way too long. To correct this error, I elected to cut out the most boring portions of the following section on upcoming news for 2019 announced in 2018. That should save us some time. And now, on with the show. And with that, we get to our last piece of news from 2018. Kermit the Frog teases a big surprise for 2019. What is the big surprise? I don't know, but it had better not be that freaking Google Doodle they announced. Because that's a lame surprise. I don't know what it is, but, well, hopefully we'll be surprised. Right? All I'm hoping is that it doesn't end up being, like, 
Miss Piggy cast in a local production of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Who would she play in that? Is she the fiddler? Is that her role? She's the roof. Ah, okay. See, she thinks she's gotten the starring role in this. That's the irony of it, when really she gets a character that has nothing to do in the story. I like that. That's a good plan. That's a good plan. Maybe the story of Fiddler on the Roof was all originally concocted just as a way to have a show in which the person who got the title character wouldn't actually have to do anything, so some vain actor or actress who had to be in the show could be there without screwing everything up. This is an interesting (laughs) fan theory. I'm going to note it. De- uh, I'm going to jot that down. But uh, until later, we just have to keep wondering what the big surprise is going to be and hope that it is something uh, spectacular and muppetational. Yes. Speaking of big surprises, well, Clayton, you know what? Um, I don't know how to tell you this, but seeing as how. You stuck with me even when Jared abandoned me, and you proved yourself to be a good co-host. I think, I think it's safe to say we can keep you after, uh, after this episode, and dare I say it, well, Clayton, welcome to Muppet Hub. I think you are now a series regular and one of the co-hosts of Muppet Fans Talking. Hello? Hello? Uh, Clayton? CW, Mr. Oh, Roder. I'm, I'm sorry. Did you, uh, did, did you say something about Muppet Hub being the new host of Clayton? Uh, the, the Muppet, what? Um. Uh, I'll, I'll, I I didn't say too much there, buddy. All that I said was, um, "Welcome to Muppet Hub." Did, 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 I'm I'm sorry. Uh, ugh, I'm unprofessional. You you really want me to be the new? The, uh, not not the host. Uh, you want me to be on Muppet Hub? Yes. Clayton, I don't know if you've noticed this, but yes! I'm kind of out of other you're options. So yes, you're the co-host. I, I, I never thought it would happen, and then I prayed to Jim. And it, <clears throat> uh, thank you very much, JD. You're very welcome. And that brings us to the end of another one. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. Give us a rating so and a little review in there if you would be so kind. You can find Muppet Hub on Facebook by searching for Muppet Hub on Facebook. You'll find us on Twitter at Muppet Hub. Uh, Clayton, where can people find you except for, you know, at Muppet Hub? Yes, I don't like that's something I can say now. <clears throat> so, if you <clears throat> want to find me, uh, you can go to, I, I'm on Twitter at CWRoder, that's at C-W-R-O-E-D-E-R-E-R. It's not pronounced Roderer, it's pronounced Roder. Watch yourself. And then, similarly, I'm on Instagram, where you can find all of my artwork, that's at the art of CWRoder, spelled the same as uh, previously, just rewind the tape back if you need to catch that spelling again. All right, thank you very much, good sir. Uh, welcome to the show, I hope... All you listeners have enjoyed our take on 2018, and I am so looking forward to moving past that year and seeing what comes in 2019, which I think hopefully really is going to be quite muppetational. I've actually got my hopes kind of high. I think we've got some, uh, some good things to look forward to. I'm J.D. Hansel, and I'm the Wonderful Winter of Oz. Why was it called the Wonderful Winter of Oz? Why did they call it that? Because it was, like, updated to be kind of Christmassy, to my knowledge. Ah, that's dumb.